Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. I'm excited today to bring you Steve Sims. Steve had probably the coolest job ever running a luxury concierge service for the rich and famous. His Rolodex of contacts include Elon Musk, Elton John, the Pope, and many more. He's also a speaker, a coach, and the author of two best-selling books, Blue Fishing, one of my personal favorites, which is about the art of making things happen. And his newest book, Go for Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals, is kind of a playbook for ignoring what everyone else thinks and setting big, stupid, ridiculous goals. Welcome to the show, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So it's fitting to say for you to be here is kind of like a big goal for me. I, I've been a fan of, of your you know work for a while. And uh, you know I put it on your Facebook page to come and hop on my podcast, which some may laugh and think is a, a stupid request. And uh, somehow you agreed to it. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I tried to take you know, a page out of your book here. I appreciate it. Good. So let's start with some of you. Normally, I come and come to backstory, but I, I know pretty good about your, your backstory. So let's kind of get into... Kind of your mindset behind, you know, why did you write the blue fishing book and and, okay. and go for stupid? Because they're 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 similar, right? It's your playbook for how you like make ridiculous things happen around the world. Uh, so why are you sharing yeah. your secrets? Well, they're not, and I think that's the biggest problem. Um, the first book I wrote, I didn't expect, and they're very similar, but they kind of attack two different things that are going on. The first one, blue fishing, I expected it to sell five copies. If my mum bought four of them, you know, I expected no one to touch it because quite simply, both books are the biggest waste of money. I'm going to call that out straight off the bat. They are completely a waste of money if people were doing what the normal shit was. But we all try to outsource and, and buy our pain away. It's ridiculous. If we just focus on the simple little things, we achieve more. When they came to me and they knew that I was working with Elon Musk, Elton John, and as you said, the Vatican, you know, they said, hey, do you want to write a book? And they first of all said, do you want to write a book naming all the famous people you deal with? And I said, no, I never do that. And they said, well, how about showing us how a bricklayer from London ends up doing these things and flying around the world with the most powerful people in the world? And I went, yeah, I'll do that, but it's going to be boring. And I did it. I basically called out how I did it, how I communicated, how I made things happen, how I got museums to shut down, how I got backstage here. How I and I just blurted it out thinking, it's so simple. Anybody can do it. And it took off. It became an international bestseller. It became translated in about seven, seven or eight different languages. It just became nuts. And all of a sudden, I'm speaking literally around the planet on stuff that everyone should be doing, focusing on relationships, how to make the connection, how to bring value to a connection, how to get doors to open, all of those kind of elements, which I thought, hey, aren't we all doing that? But no, yeah. we weren't. So I was I was the simple kid that was doing the basic simple shit, and I was doing it free. So most of us, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. People will happily spend $10,000 a month on Facebook ads. 
But I'm flying around to hotels. Every hotel I went to, I went, hey, I need 50 envelopes and 50 pieces of stationery. I need to connect with my top clients. Every hotel in the planet is willing to give you that. Now, I don't know about the Motel 6, but every decent hotel yep. will give you this kind of stuff. Free stationery, free envelopes. And all I would do was I would hand rate the envelope. And then in the letter, I'll just put, hey, John, we haven't connected for a while. I'd love to catch up with you. Give me a ring. And I'd put my phone number in there. And, and that'd be it. And I would send it to him. Now, all it was costing me was a stamp. But now you're getting an envelope from like LA or from, you know, uh, New York or Tahiti or, you know, Bangkok, wherever. Bearing in mind, you may live where you live and to you it's normal. But from someone else, if I got an envelope from a Philly hotel, I'd be like, you know, I know there's a hotel in Philly. Curiosity and people with that curiosity would open it up and then go, Oh, it's Sims. And they would text me. That shit cost me a stamp. And I thought, what kind of return? What kind of return did you get on that? Oh, I was getting a 90 something percent open rate. I was getting, and here was the other thing. I was also, and I'd have laughs with it. My favorite one that's famous in the book, Bluefish, and, and you know this one is as I was flying. And I hate internet on a plane. I don't want to be contacted. Leave me alone. Internet's not good enough to be doing anything. So I just don't use it. But there used to be this magazine called Sky Mall. And yeah. that Sky yeah. Mall would have all the, the big, it yeah. would have all the yeah, biggest yeah. shit in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I used to pull out these pages and I, I would set myself up with this. I would have a silver marker because that silver marker could work on any color background. Okay. And I would have that silver marker and I'd pull out a page and I'd write on it, you know, just something like, you know, Brian, I'm sure you could use a dolphin post box on your apartment, you know, and there'd be these yeah. stupid dolphin post box. Okay. And I would fold that up and I would stick that in the envelope. So now the envelope is a little bit squishy yeah. and you open it up and you go, what an idiot. You know, why Sim sent me this? But you know what happened? One they contact me. Most of the time, the conversation would be, Sims, you're a moron. And then we would have a call. Oh, yeah. how are you doing? Well, yeah. Yep. It's a good to lead, to lead magnet for sure. Don't yep. you want your clients contacting you? But here's something else that happened, which I wasn't aware of, which did make me laugh even more. People started taking photographs of what I would send them, post them on their social. And they'd be like, this is what that Sims guy does. He sends you stupid shit, you know? And I got people contacting me going, I've known you for 10 years. Why don't I get stupid shit? Yeah. And it was yeah. really weird. So that was my first book. Very simple, impactful stuff. And it took off. And if people want to save money but create more impact, they should be focusing on blue fishing. And then, of course, we came up to COVID. And I didn't want to write another book. You know, for any of you out, have you written a book? No, I started one but then stopped. There you go. Class A. It's tough. Yeah. It's yep. tough. It's hard. Um, and I did the first one. Whew, did it. It's out. Great. I never wanted to do a second one. If you'd have asked me three years ago, hey, you going to do a second book? No. I'm going to grow a full head of hair before I do that again. But then COVID came across and pissed me off. I realized that we're all bitching about, oh, we can't communicate with each other. We can't get together with each other. When we weren't getting together with each other, we were throwing up something on Facebook, hoping to get a thousand likes 
And that would satisfy us, but we weren't connected. We were not communicating. So it started to aggravate me. And then in the midst of this, when people couldn't get out of their house, what did we start doing? We started attacking each other. We came up with the gotcha society. We came up with the cancel culture where we would find something that you got up to in 1982 that was inappropriate and we're going to fuck your career for it. Yep. Well, I don't want to break it to you, but I was probably inappropriate this morning, you know? And I don't care. I want to be me and I want to become educated. But here was the dumb thing. We got so terrified as a society of showing up in any way whatsoever, just in case it was misconstrued or taken out of context, or you took a soundbite and boomeranged it and tried to kill my career. We got so terrified that when conversations turned up that we needed to have, like Me Too, Black Lives Matter, Asian hate, politics, war, instead of actually confronting those with a conversation and going, hang on a minute, you say I need to change. How? What am I doing wrong? so I can become educated and I can repair that. Instead of having that conversation, we ran away from it. So in a society where we were getting bad at communicating and then got really bad at it during COVID yep. and then ran away from it, that's a cancer. That's a toxic environment. And I started doing blogs and memes and posts and I was starting to get a bit violent about it. I'm not the most subtle person. And someone said, you, you need to get this out of your system. So I wrote the book because everyone that we revere, from Walt Disney to Elon Musk, Richard Branson to Edison, had stupid ideas yep. and went for them amongst everyone jeering at them. And I, it just annoyed me. I remember I was chatting with Elon Musk once, and he said to me, they'll always, they'll always laugh at you just before they applaud. Yep. It's a chapter and, in your book. Yep. Yeah, it yep. really, it really That's aggravated true. me. Yeah. Actually, um, I don't want to get on a rant, but should I give you an example? Yeah, sure. You're already on a rant. Let's I, just keep going. <laughs> um, it's your show, so shut me up no, whenever you fine. like. You're, yeah. Brian, do you have a truck? Yeah. Yep. What truck do you have? Uh, it's a Chevy Colorado. So you like trucks? No, no. It's, it's, I have a BMW too. All right. So you prefer the BMW, but you have a truck because it's necessary. Yeah. Yep. Are you going to buy a new truck? No. All right. So you don't want to buy. Did you see when Elon Musk unveiled his Cybertruck? Yep. All right. So let me get this right. And I'm going to break this down and it's going to be annoying, but you'll get the point. You don't want to buy a truck because you love your BMW, but you watched him unveil a truck. You watched him unveil something that you didn't want to buy. So he had your attention. Oh, yep, he did. All right. That example I've been able to use, and the most recent uh, podcast I did uh, that was really funny was last week in Korea. And this girl said that the entire family have a bicycle. She said they can't afford a car, but every one of their eight members of the family watched the unveiling of the Cybertruck. The yep. point is, Elon Musk grabbed the attention of the planet regardless of whether or not you had yep. any interest in buying what he was selling. Yeah, trucks or even car, right. or even, even a vehicle, even an automobile, let alone if you have a bike, right? Right. Yep. So there you go. So he grabbed you. So he was winning the attention currency. Now, that night, he opened up the orders for you to be able to pre-order 
the Cybertruck and he opened it up to, I don't know, a limited number, but it was still in the thousands. He sold out every single order before the end of the webinar, okay? Before the end of the uh, release. Yep. So he gained the attention of the planet, sold out every single one of the orders before making a nut. Wouldn't you, as an entrepreneur, like to be able to sell out of every single one of your products before you even made it? Oh, yeah. Yep. Wouldn't you like to be able to grab the attention of the planet, regardless of whether or not you, they like your product, but the fact that your brand is so strong that, he's, that, that you've got that attention? Yep. But what was the headlines the following day from that release? That the window broke. And we laughed. Yep. So we didn't revere him for selling out of everything. We didn't revere him for grabbing the attention of the planet. We didn't acknowledge the fact that he had built something so out of this world that it didn't even look like anything else. We decided, how the fuck can we laugh at this guy? Yeah. And we found it and we rode it home. We took the piss out of him for weeks. That's the kind of society that we're in. That's the kind of society we need to change. Yep. So where do you think we start? I mean, so part of it you said is can't having authentic relationships or conversations. So how does one go about having more authentic conversations so that people can learn and you know from each other and about the world and all that? All right. So there's there's two problems, and they're both you. The first problem is we listen to ourselves too much. Now I said to you that we're having trouble having conversations. One of the worst people to have a conversation with is you. You know, how many times do you go, oh, God, I'd love to ask that girl out for a date, or I'd love to go and try and do a different marketing strategy, or I'd love to go and speak on stage, whatever your goal is. And then that little bastard devil pops up on your shoulder and goes, no, 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 hold it, Brian. You're not good enough for that girl. You, yep. you know, you can't go on stage. You'd look stupid. You can't sing. You can't dance. You and we always have that doubt pop up, don't we? Even if it's going into a meeting, hey, I'd love to go and speak to that guy. Ooh, no, I don't know what I would say. And that little devil pops up in our head. The first conversation you've got to have is with yourself. Okay? Shut him down. And you, instead of going, hey, I'm scared of going over there, insert the word why. Why shouldn't I talk to that man? Why shouldn't I go and ask that girl out for a date? Why shouldn't I change my marketing strategy? Why shouldn't I go for bigger goals and standards? Throw that word why yep. there and it will check your mind differently. And then start addressing the doubt in mind by going, hey, why should I listen to you? Now, we've all had doubt, okay? My little devil now just shuts up because I've achieved so much. Why should I listen to him? Yep. Yeah. The first conversation you've got to have is with you. Yeah, I, uh, one of the phrases I, I use a lot is is why not me? This same yeah. same just been every frame, but like you know if they can do it, why can't I do it? They're not any smarter, they're not any more educated. They just you know I, I can achieve those things. Like why not? Right? I think I think if you believe in yourself, that's like that is like ninety nine percent of the problem, and then you figure it out. Like most of us are just making it up along the way. Even us, and you know as we've grown our company, and like yep. like I didn't know what I was doing when you know a year ago, and I probably even. But but I figured it out. And like I know in a year or two from now we'll be a lot bigger. And I don't know what I have to do then, but I'll I'll figure it out then. And I think it's that's a lot of people as they just, you know, whatever they stay in this like comfort zone and they don't want to go out of it. And the people that have created a tremendous amount of success in life are willing to push outside those comfort zones 
challenge themselves. And like you said, not being afraid to like look dumb or get rejected or whatever it is. A good friend of mine, Ari Mizell, I've got to give him credit for this statement. He always says, get going and then get good. You know, yep. we have we have no idea what we're doing. And I don't care if it's you, if it's Elon Musk, if it's Elton John, yep. we have no shit idea yep. what we're going to do. But I guarantee you, and I'm going to pick on you on this as well, Brian, the first time you've done anything, it's been shit. Oh, yeah. The first time you did a podcast, the first time you did a business meeting, the first time you applied for a loan, the first time you went into a meeting, compared to what it's like now, you look back at those and go, oh my God, how did I get through that? That was so appalling. Yep. But get going and then get good. Yeah, and that's that's the focus. It's taking the actions even for, I don't know what episode this is going to be for me, maybe 120, 130 here, something like that on the podcast. But when I had one, like, yeah, it was ums and ahs. And am I going to say something stupid? And am I going to like, are people going to like reject it? Or is it going to be all this criticism? But then there's this whole polar opposite that exists that says, well, maybe people will love it. Maybe I'll like really speak to some people that really connect with it. Maybe like I can change somebody's life by bringing on a great guest who you know, inspires them or something I say. So like, it could, there's like these two opposites in the world. And I think a lot of times we focus on the negative, but there's this whole positive and upside and opportunity that if you focus on that, like you can create all that. If, but, but you got to take the action. You got to take the first step. Uh, that's, that's what's key. We're trying to be scared. We are trying to be scared and we, and, and fear affects us all. Okay. And I'm scared. I'm fearful. Okay. But it's how you react to it. You see, you said about people stepping out of that comfort zone. A lot of people are terrified to try something different. Successful people are terrified to be in the same space. I am literally petrified to be the same person today as I am in a year from now. Now, I live very, very well. Trust me, I'm very happy. But I've got to try stuff. I've got to experience stuff. I've got to impact shit. If I don't, I'm not growing. If I'm not growing, I'm standing yep. still. If I'm standing still, I become stagnant, stinking, I die. I don't want that. So fear propels me. Yep. So, so I get on your website, right? And you have, you have lots of different things you do, right? You're, do, you're speaking, you do consulting, you go on podcasts, you've got your media company now, right? And so you have all these different things. And so one of the, one of the questions I have for anybody that, and, and I challenge this myself too, is like at a certain point, does it become diluted? Are you doing too many things that then it becomes like, you know, a dilution of focus versus picking that one thing and like really growing it and really good and good at it? Or is it, hey, I'm going to put a bunch of different things out there in the world. We'll see kind of what happens. And then some will fail, some will be success. And then I'll, I'll go with the success. Like, how do you view all the different things you're getting involved in now? So actually, funny enough, every single one of the things I'm involved in now stems around the exact same theme of communication whether it's within media and branding within sims.media or whether it's in a speakeasy or me speaking on stage. Everything I do today is about the art of communicating in order for you to be able to get what you want, whether that is a communication with you know, publicity, whether it's a communication with your audience, whether it's a communication with yourself. So everything's got that theme of communication. So I'm not, I was, I've had many companies that I've ended up branching off and getting diluted and losing the impact. Hmm. And that's how you learn to not dilute, you know? Okay, yep, you, le yep. you learn how to keep your guard up by getting a punch in the mouth. So I've had those experiences. Now I'm glad I don't have them. Now, second part of your question, trying things to see what works. I try things to see what impacts. If I can try something that's still within the theme of doing something unusual, doing something experiential, 
creating impact, creating communication, focusing on branding. Some of those elements, oh, that doesn't work. Move away from that. Oh, that's doing really well. I'm going to sink more energy into there. To finish this thread off of that question, I focus on an ROE. Now, a lot of people will focus on an ROI, you know, return on investment. I stick 10 grand here. I get a hundred grand back. I'm good. Yep. But an ROE is when you focus on your effort and energy. I've worked on deals that have taken me six months, made me enough money to actually pay for 50% of my house up in the hills here. That was a lovely chunk of change I got for that. But I was dead to the world for about another eight months because it drained and sapped the energy out of me. Now, that return on effort and energy is bad. Yep. Made loads of money, but I was a carcass. So yep. now I go, okay, what can I do that's going to invigorate me? What can I do that's going to energize me? That's what I'm going to go and do. If this makes me a ton of cash, but I'm dead for a year to my family and my wife and my mates, I'm not doing it. So I'm a great focus now on my ROE. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And the best thing about a communication business, what you're doing now is extremely scalable, right? I mean, you can impact yes. people all over the world. You can have that one podcast interview that becomes videos. It becomes all kinds of stuff, right? And so I think it's a, it's a much easier business to scale and have impact on than you know the brick and mortar um, you know, training time for money businesses. Yes. So tell me, talk about a little bit about your, your speakeasies. So this is, I know a, you mentioned a little bit, but a service that you offer or part of the, your network, right? Uh, a reverse yeah. mastermind, you could call it. So what, what is uh, a Sims uh, speakeasy and um, well, if, how's it different? It, if you're a coaching client, you get these included in your membership, or if not, you can just pay to go. And here's the thing. I've spoken at thousands of events and every event, and there's some brilliant events out there. I'm not dissing them, but they work in a way that I'm not comfortable with. You know, hey, it's going to be at this hotel on this date at nine o'clock. And then this person comes on, this person comes on. Yep. Then there's a break. Then there's, then there's a lunch. Then there's, and then there's a cocktail. You know, everything. Yep. And you sit there going, mm, will this help me? Yep. Okay. And you're making all the decisions. And I thought to myself, well, isn't that ass backwards? So what I did was I put an event together. I didn't call it a speakeasy at first. A client of mine actually went, this sounds like a speakeasy. And I went, great, there you go. That's the new title. But we actually put an event up, name the date, name the city, and then put the payment in there. And that's it. It's two grand. And then anyone that joins, we contact them and go, hey, Brian, thanks for registering. I've got a question for you. What problem would you like to see solved when you leave that room? And we focus on your problem. And you go, well, I'm, I'm looking to scale my business. I'm looking at building franchises. I'm looking at getting more branded. I'm looking to get on stage. I'm looking at doing more um, TikTok videos. I'm looking at getting my mindset. Oh, the stress, how to raise money, how to get investment, how to invest. You come up with all of these questions. And then okay. what I do is I look at my phone and I go, who do I know that could solve your problem? Like we had... Uh, um, on the last one we did in uh, LA, we had uh, uh, the founder, th- there was someone that said about disrupting that business. They went, it's a boring business. I don't know how to disrupt it. I had Candice Nielsen in there, who was the founder of Sprinkles Cupcakes. Okay. Now, before this, any cupcake was some piece of shit that you got at a kid's party that no one wanted to eat. Yep. You know, it was a gaggy piece of crap with sweet icing on yep. the top and maybe Too a much. candle. Too much icing, yeah. yep. 
all of a sudden she disrupted the cupcake industry and made them aspirational gifts. So mm. we brought her in. We had um we had a Le Mans winning racing driver in there, Justin Bell, talking about keeping your mindset. How do you keep the focus? Lap after corner, after lap, after corner. How do you keep that mindset? And then we had people going, oh, I'm, I'm thinking of in, uh, investing in real estate. So we had Brandon Turner, the host of Bigger Pockets, the largest real estate uh, podcast out there. He came in to talk about this. So nobody knows who's coming in, but we know the problem you have. And then we bring the people in to answer those problems. And it, we look at it as reverse reverse okay. mastermind, but it works. So how many people do you generally have go to one of these? Oh, we never have any more than 50 people. We have 40 attendees and there's usually some guests in there, but we never go over 50. And then so you get a wide range of issues, TikTok, raising money, scaling. Yep. How do you like, do you try to solve all the problems or you say, hey, this 80% of these have this one? Like, how do you kind of take all this stuff to make it, you know? So for a start, for a start, if you've got a problem that we think like, I don't know, let's say you want to start, you know, growing hair, you know, I'm probably not the smartest person to help you with that. So I would literally turn around and go, Hey, Brian, thanks a lot for your, your, you know, your commitment and you want to get involved, but I can't help you. So, um, here's your money back and we won't invite you. You know, we'll literally just send you your money back and that'll be it. Most problems. Here's the thing. If you ask 50 people what that problem is, you're probably going to end up with about five or six of the same yeah, answers. It's people. They want to find people. They want to lead yeah. people. They want to like, uh, you know, hire better people. It's all, I mean, a lot of it's the people game, at least, you know, in my, my world. I don't know. That which you've and seen. Also, but- also, the other thing, because we're actually uh, interacting with these people before they turn up, we know who they are. We know what they are. We know the why. We know the aggravation. We can determine, and this goes back to my old dormant days, I can determine if they're the right person to be in the room to play with my other people. Hmm. So like I did one at Hollywood, and you had people there going, yeah, I do jet charters, and I want to sell jet charters to all of the attendees. Well, you're not doing that at my event, mate. You know, So we yeah. can actually kick people out. So anyone that we feel is a little bit toxic, we can kick them out and make sure they don't come up. So we focus on that room heavily. We focus on the attendees first yep. and the answers second and the experience third. But in that order, we make sure everything's good. We've been doing it for four and a half years and they've been doing remarkably well. And we have never, ever announced where it's going to be until three days prior, only to the attendees. And they never know who's going to turn up. There's okay. never been people. But they know they buy their flight. They know it's in Reno. I mean, you talk about the Reno story. Oh, yeah. But they know where it's at. They book their flight and then they know what hotel to, to show up at. Or We tell them what is. hotel. So we, we always make sure that the location is close to the hotel we pick. So yep. we always, once we've gone, hey, yes, we can help you. Yep. By the way, this is the hotel that you need to book or book something close to it because the location we're doing a speakeasy in is close to that hotel. Okay. So if they want to go and get an Airbnb, that's absolutely fine. But we always tell them our host hotel so they can be there. Right. And our events are never, ever, ever, ever in hotels. We're always <laughs> in quirky kind of creative places. Okay. How many are you doing a year? Three. Okay, cool. And it's probably cool for you for creating relationships, I'm sure, with a number of the people that attend and the guests and, you know, all that. I'm sure, it's probably, yeah. it's probably great for you on that side. I love um, doing it. It's... um. It's stressful because every single one gets better and better and better. 
Um, and you I really up, you like that. Annie, right? Yeah, I know. Um, like we just came off of doing LA before LA, we did New York before New York, we did, um, uh, Austin, Texas and every single one is like the Austin, Texas one we did in a music studio. The one in uh, New York, we did in this really cool loft overlooking the Hudson. The one we did in uh, LA, we did in a, um, a concert venue. Um, and we're like, damn, what are we going to do next? You know, and we have announced already that the next one's in Dallas, um, on the 27th and 28th of February. But every single one, we're like, how are we going to top this? But we always find a way to do so. Yep. And in your coaching, what kind of, what kind of problems do you solve there for people? What does that look like? So we have no 12 step. We have a monthly, uh, coaching program that works with people to assist on what their issues are. So the first thing we do is we get in there and we go, what's your problem? What's your issues? Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a, to a masseuse or, or uh, a chiropractor, yep. but you'll have a problem in your hip yep. and they will start working on your knee and you'll be like, no, the problem's not with my knee. The problem's with my hip. And they'll be like, no, you don't realize your knee is creating the problem in your hip. Yep. The cause of the symptom, right? Bingo. So that's what we we look at when we when we're talking with our coaching client. What's the problem you have, and where does it stem from? Okay, let's attack the core, not not the end situation. And we focus on what's going on with them. Do you need to do this? Do you need to get there? Do you need to work on that? What is the win? What is the scalability? And we focus on each person as an individual. So we're very very slow to take on new coaching clients, but. And that's the other thing. Because we're month to month, you can cancel us after one month. We've had short contracts like, you know, or short term, should I say, like five to six months when someone's having a, a book launch. And then we've had other coaching clients that have been with us for, you know, five years. So yep. the second we stop becoming an asset and we become an invoice, cancel. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, that's key. And do you see common, any any common like, causes or things you could say like a lot of people seem to struggle with like X, whether it's like a mindset thing or maybe it's the why not me thing we were talking about. Yeah, um, it's always confidence. It, 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 I think everything stems from confidence. You know, it's a case of what well, I'd like to be on stage, but those people are so much better than me. I would like to be having, you know, richer clients, but oh my God, I don't know how to talk to them. How can I compete with so-and-so? Yep. As I said to you at the beginning, usually the biggest problem is you. And so once we've unleashed that and kind of like, sent the beast out as it should be, then they start getting bigger deals and having bigger conversations. How do you build confidence in them? We don't. We build uh, we build proof. Um confidence is is something that comes from Inside. validation that, that okay. you actually could do. So we actually expose you and we get you uncomfortable. We started this conversation when we were talking about prison. I've even taken people into prison. You know, if I can get you having an uncomfortable conversation in an uncomfortable environment and you can survive that fuck doing your monday morning meeting is no problem so <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the kind of stuff that we focus on yep in your book you talk about um standards like setting standards and living up to them can you speak a little bit to that yeah people are too too willing to lower their standards uh, and they don't want to, they don't want to create any tension or they don't want to be confrontational. And that's allowing society to actually drop its standards. Um, I believe that you should, if you've got a meal and it's slightly cold, just go, excuse me, 
this is cold. Can you can you do me a favor and do a fresh? You know, just, you can be polite, but hold your standards. If you walk out of your house and your shoes are dirty, walk back into your house and polish those bastards. You know, make sure that your standards start at the smallest element. You know, I always I had a there's a story in the book of a client of mine that we went out for for a drink one night. And I was on the motorbike, so I was not dry, uh, not drinking. He was getting an Uber, so he had an old-fashioned in my order. And when the old-fashioned turned up, it was horrible. And I said to him, are you going to drink that? He said, well, you know, maybe. I, I, I said, well, do you understand that that drink is going to dictate where your standards lie? You know, from this moment, that's the level of what you will accept. And he went, you're right, my standards are higher than that. And he said to the barman, he said, excuse me, I'm sorry, but this old fashioned. And as he started talking, the barman went, oh my God, sorry about it. It's a new bartender. He doesn't know how to make it. I'll make you one. And he walks off, throws it away, comes back. Beautiful old fashioned. Yep. Because he asked, no, he wasn't moved, but his standards were up there. If he had settled down there, then everything else would have been that. Your dirty shirt, your, bra your black shoes, your brown belt. Dictate where your standards lie, adhere to them, and constantly raise them. Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, I, I live by like you. You get what you tolerate. So if you oh, tolerate yeah, that level of stuff, that's what you get. Like with your people and your staff, you tolerate lateness. You get lateness, right? Like yep. you know, uh, you get what. But if you only tolerate excellence, you only tolerate you know consistent execution, whatever that looks like. Then then that's what you get, and that's what you surround yourself with. And that's uh, good. What about when it comes to relationships? You mentioned that, like that's one of the, the biggest challenges is because there might be people in your life who've maybe been childhood friends who then are playing at this low level and they could be this anchor that's bringing you down. And, you know, sometimes you have to separate yourself. to That's the tough life, one. Right? That's the tough one. You know, we've all been in a situation where we're sitting around the coffee table or in the bar and we start talking to our mates about this project and it's going to franchise and then we're going to probably sell that off. And then we're just going to focus on this bit and scale that and then multiply that by 10. And we start talking like this because we're used to that. And then you look at all your mates and they've glazed over and they're like, Ooh, and you know, all of a sudden you turn around, you go, Oh, ignore me. You know, I, I must have had a funny moment. Someone must have spiked my drink or something. And we lower our standards again. If you're at a table where people are willing to laugh at you, change the table. I'll tell you a true story. I had a project that I was trying to do. Do you know a guy called Jay Abraham? Yeah. Oh, right. Think, yeah. So Jay's a friend of mine and a neighbor. And I had this project one day and I went down to see Jay and I'm like, Jay, this is going to make us millions. I really want to do this. I need to come down, show you this PowerPoint. And I was an excitable little, little bunny. And he's like, come on down. Let's see it. So I went down there and I went through this PowerPoint. First time in my life I'd ever done a PowerPoint. And I threw this out at Jay and I had stats and I had figures and I had graphs and charts. And I said to him, so what do you think? And Jay looked at me and he just rubbed his, uh, rubbed his goatee and he went, do you know, Steve, is that it? And I went, what do you mean? And he went, no, no, no. He said, um, I just thought with your credibility, with your enthusiasm, you know, with the credentials and the people you know, your connections, I was just expecting a little bit more. And I realized I had gone too low. I hadn't pushed myself. And it took Jay. Now, what we did was I said to him, I said, you don't think this money, this business will make money? He said, I absolutely know it will, but should it? 
is this worthy of your effort and energy? We actually ended up taking a 5% piece of that business plan, working on that, and it made more money than what the entire business was going to. Low effort, low energy, but focusing on our unicorns. You see, the bottom thing is your friends need to be there to challenge you, to support you, you know, to ask you questions, to help and assist you. But when you're dealing with a buddy that you went with high school that's now jeering at you, hey, you outgrow your socks, you outgrow your trousers, you can easily outgrow your friends. It's time to pick a new room. Yeah, that's great. And, and for me, I mean, I, I joined a, it's a, a mastermind a couple of years ago. Brandon Turner's part of it. Go, go abundance called. But anyway, it's, it's other like, you know, higher net worth, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, men usually, you know, my age and a little, maybe in the fifties, sixties. And, but it, the idea is like, you know, you surround yourself with people who are, you know, a couple of steps ahead of you and who want to help grow and challenge you. And like, so a lot of what we do is, you know, you're in the room and you're sharing like this one sheet with goals, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, other guys then are challenging you on the goals to say, Hey, that goal, like you can do way more than that. Like you're setting the bar too low for yourself. And like, rather than putting you down, they're trying to pick you up to say, Hey, like you, know, you, you can do it. And, or they have friends and connections, you know, that they can help enable. So I think a huge part of that is upgrading your room. And it doesn't have to be the, the good thing about being, uh, you know, in the digital world is it's, it's easy to connect with people all around the country or around, around the world. And, uh, you're not limited to just your over the fence with your neighbor conversations anymore. That's true. That's true. You got to push, and it's tough. Um, we shouldn't. We shouldn't just say this and then walk away. From, this is tough. You you walking away from connections and relationships that are toxic and bad is difficult. And the trouble is that may well even be your family. Now I get together with my family on holidays. But there's certain people in that family dynamic that the second I go and get back on the motorbike, I won't talk to again until I get back into that room because they're okay to tolerate in that room because they're family, they're blood. But I can't communicate. I've tried to help them and they've scoffed at it. And I'm like, fine, you continue to do what you do. You know, I'll do what I do. So it is tough, but you've got to be forceful yourself. Yeah, I think... Like you said, I think you establish those standards. You you really get to set them in stone, and then you live by them. And I think the the better you can do that, the the better you'll have um, yeah success. So awesome, cool. So where can people connect with you? Uh, I mean, I know they can buy your book on Amazon. What's the other best places to um, get get in contact with you? Well, the book's called Go for Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals. And you can find me everywhere at Steve D. Sims. D for dashing and only one M in Sims. But you can find me at stevedsims.com. You can go to the goforstupid.com, which is the actual book link. Or you can just go on anywhere that you enjoy your media and your social. And I'm the exact same person everywhere. I suppose I do a little more on Instagram than I do anywhere else. But Steve D. Sims, anywhere. Awesome. I appreciate you taking the time, sharing your story. You know, I think it's pretty inspiring. And you know, I think eye-opening for a lot of people um, You know, to, to learn what's possible if they just oh, ask the, some simple questions, right? The simple ones and the tough ones, but try it. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 